bit your tongue? Bear done ripped off both your ears, hadn't he? Yeah. Look says, Matthew 16, 17, Jesus answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I, everybody say, Jesus, will build the church. I touched on a little bit Sunday morning. He said, I will build my church. He doesn't need us building his church. He doesn't trust us building his church because he doesn't have to. What he trusts us with is getting some more Pauls and Gregs into the church that he has built before the foundation of the world and purchase it with his blood at Calvary and poured out the spirit of the church on the day of Pentecost. You can't be in the church without the spirit of the church, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, of course, you've got to have the owner's name on that church, which is Jesus Christ. And you only get that name, not over a meal, not over praying in Jesus' name, but you only get that, that name right up here when you're buried in baptism. Your sins are washed away. The blood is applied. You identify with Jesus in burial, in baptism, Romans uh, 6 and 4 and Colossians 2 and 12. And you also get his name. What's his name? Jesus. Father's not his name. Son's not his name. Holy Ghost isn't his name. He is the Father in creation. He is the Son in redemption. And he is the Holy Ghost for regeneration of the church. He said, I'll build my church. But in his sovereignty, he has chosen to use us, men and women, women and men. Paul said, one plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. About 3,000 people received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Some historians believe upward of 60,000 people heard Peter preach that day. The general consensus is 30,000. So 10% of that crowd received the Holy Ghost. But the Bible doesn't say 3,000. It says about, about 3,000 received the Holy Ghost on that day. Our part is to compel people to come into the church that Jesus has bought with his blood and build and is building by his grace and spirit through the plan of salvation. Let's do a real quick study here uh, of this scriptural text by looking at the setting of Mark chapter 4, verse number 1. And, and he, Jesus, began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him great multitudes, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And then in verses 4 through 9, we're not going to take time to read. I'm going to expedite time and just comment about it. Verses 4 through 9 of Mark 4, he tells the parable of the sower who goes forth to sow. Verses 10 through 20, Jesus expounds to his disciples about the sower and the seed in private. They come and ask him, can you explain this to us? And he did. Then in verses 21 through 32, Jesus gives forth four more parables and just a real quick synopsis of what they were about. The first parable was, was that nothing hidden shall be be made manifest. Everything that's hidden is going to be made manifest. Now that's scary. That's scary. And you're worried about a preacher reading your mail in the church service? He's not reading your mail. 
God's telling him what's going on in your life. Well, he shouldn't do that. Yeah, he should because he's trying to save your nasty carcass. And you don't want it. You're coming kicking and screaming. Hey, if God has to embarrass me, then embarrass me. Just don't let me go to hell. The second verse or the second parable was measuring what you hear. Do you measure what you hear? Or did you just let some of these country western and rock and roll stars just sing to you and these rap stars say anything they want to to you and you never measure it out? Wow, that's goofy. Third parable he talked about was the kingdom of God is about sowing and growing and harvesting. The fourth parable is the kingdom of God is likened to unto a grain of mustard seed. And then in verse 33, we pick it up. And when many such parables, and with many such parables spake he the word unto them, and they were able to hear it. And without a parable spake he not unto them. And then we pick up our text, verse 35. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, All right, I'm through teaching. Let's go over to the other side. Everybody say, Let's go to the other side. Now, let your mind travel what the other side could mean to us tonight. Not the other side of the church, not the other side of the street, but the other side of life. I'm letting you think upon that for a moment. If you ever have some experiences from the other side, Paul said whether in the body or out of the body, I really can't tell you. But let me mess up your theology. I've had definitively one of those in my own life. No, I didn't die. Yeah, I died to myself that day. But folks, God wants us to experience the eternal now. Now, you can't experience eternity until he allows you to. But you can experience the eternal. What do you think the Holy Ghost is? The Holy Ghost is not earthly. The name of Jesus is not earthly. It's otherworldly. The moves of God, just, just what we've experienced tonight, and we've seen it on a grander scale. Can you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. But just what we've touched tonight, my, it wouldn't have took us very long to prompt it just a little bit more. And we could have yanked up the carpet and pulled the walls down and built a thousand-seat auditorium in about 33 seconds. Oh, I saw it happening. You guys saw about 50, 60 people here. This place was packed while ago when y'all were worshiping. Ang angels were going crazy in here. You know why? Anybody here ever been to center before? If you've ever been a sinner before, would you stand? Some of you are going to lie on this one. And I know you're lying. I'm not even God. <laughs> you know what my Bible and your Bible says? Number one, it, Jesus is giving a, a story. And he says, when, when the man found the sheep, he comes home and says, come on, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. And the Bible says there's joy in heaven. Everybody take a finger and point towards heaven. Say, in heaven. There's joy in the presence of angels but watch the second parable about the coin when she had found the coin she said hey I found the coin that I had lost in the house no less this time Jesus doesn't say anything about heaven he said there's joy in the presence of angels 
Remember Jacob conked out on the rock? The Bible says the ladder was set up from the earth to heaven. Not from heaven to the earth, but from the earth to heaven. And the angels were not coming down the ladder. They were going up the ladder first. And my Bible tells me that angels of the Lord encampeth around. Would you come with a glass? Yeah. You don't get any of my offering, but come on up here. I want your hands out of your pocket. I'm going to knock you down, buddy. I know you turn to face me. Those people, those people aren't good, near as good looking as I am. Hallelujah. And the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. You want to be an angel? Uh, yeah, come on up here. You, you look like a mischievous angel. Get over here. Okay. Come on, come on, come on, get up here. Come on, get up here, guys. Come on, come on, get around him. Or you guys don't know what around means. And these angels are around him. And yet they see me standing over here just, you know, how boring. And my angel's looking at me like, And guess what? Here we are. Thank you, guys. These, here we are. You, you confess you as a sinner. I confess I'm a sinner. And now here we are in the presence of God. And we're worshiping. And, and our angels standing and watching us. And here's all these sinners in this house that are worshiping and dancing. And they've repented. And, 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 and I'm just going to stand here and not worship God? Sorry. You owe me your praise to God. Paul said, I'm not a debtor to God. I'm a debtor to the Jews and the Greeks. I owe you my prayer. I owe you my praise. I owe you my sermonettes. Oh, let's clap our hands. There's angels in this room. I'm telling you, there are angels of God watching what you're doing. They want to know if you want to go to heaven. They want to know if you're excited about Jesus. They want to know, are you excited? We got visitors tonight. Or you could care less. God bless you. You may be seated. All right. They want to pass over to the side. And when they sent the multitude away, they took Jesus as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Everybody say other little ships. Notice it only took one ship to bring Jesus, God in the flesh, along his journey to the other side. However, it took other little ships to bring many more people with Jesus to the other side. Jesus is going to make it to the other side, ladies and gentlemen. Pardon my analogy here, my biblical liberty. Jesus is going to make it all right to the other side, either with us or without us. I don't want him to make it without me. Cause I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I don't want to hold his hand. I do. I want him holding my hand. Cause I might let it slip. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He's going to make it all right. The church of Jesus Christ, the ship of Zion as we call it. I'm going to take a trip. Good old gospel ship. The ship of Zion, the church, will pass over to the other side. Would you shout hallelujah? hallelujah? God's people must use every ship we can to get people and ourselves to the ship of Zion so we can get to the other side. So tonight, I want to present to you five, I don't want to call them little ships because to me, they're, they're vital. I may be stretching it. They're just as vital as the ship that Jesus is in. And, and please, don't, don't let me divide this and conquer. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to paint a picture to you of our burden that Jesus wants us to carry. 
every day of our life. So here are the five ships. So at the top of your paper, just write down the ships of the church. If you want to write down the five ships of the church, that's fine. But just write down, that's my title, the ships of the church. You can cheat and look at the screen to pass this test. And I desire to leave the thought with you and also present to you what appears to be another ship, but it really isn't. It's a part of all the other ships. So the first ship, number one, is friendship. Leave a little space, so if you want to write something about friendship, I'm allowed to say something good. never know. I might say something bad. Somebody wants a shorthand down there. The second ship is membership. The third ship is discipleship. The fourth ship is leadership. And the fifth ship is called fellowship. And I'm just going to say this right at the outset, lest I run out of time and we not get there. Fellowship keeps all the ships together in the fleet with Jesus. And we'll touch it later. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and what? And fellowship. We've got the doctrine round, doctrine right. But we're messing ourselves up as churches and as individuals and as families. It wasn't the pandemic that isolated us. We have isolated ourselves too long and have refused the apostles' fellowship. Oh, I'm Acts 2.30. I'm one God. I'm holiness through and through. If you're not fellowshipping, you ain't got none of that down. That's a double negative, preacher. I know I did a pretty good job with it, didn't I? What appears to be another ship is really what the whole fleet of ships are all about. Friendship is all about relationship. Membership is all about relationship. Discipleship is all about relationship. Leadership is all about relationship. Fellowship is all about relationship. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Ten Commandments were about relationship. Five commandments deal with our relationship with God. Listen to them. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number one, thou shalt make, not make unto thee any graven image. Number two. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's number three. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, I don't have time to explain any of this. Number five is about God. Honor thy father and thy mother, and the Lord will give you long life. Those first five are about relationship with God. Did you mess that up? Everything else in your life, I don't care how much money you make, you're done. If you don't get that straightened out. The last five are about relationship with other people, human beings. You don't get to pick what they look like or don't look like, act like or don't act like. Sometimes you're going to have to put up with me. And pray for my wife. She has to live with me. Well, she really doesn't have to, but the, the, the outcome of that is not very good for her. <laughs> it's debatable. It might be worse with me. <laughs> hey, I'm me. I know. 
Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's anything. And the lawyer said, who's my neighbor? Everybody in this world but yourself is your neighbor. Your wife sitting next to you on the pew is your neighbor. Love her. Your husband, love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. It's crazy when I watch men marry a lady and then they start treating her like she's some outcast. Sir, you are responsible for her heart, her soul, her mind, and her strength. Well, bless God, I bring home the bacon. That's all I'm supposed to do. And we think if we do that, 25% of responsibility about that woman is we're not an infidel. Well, you're an infidel for thinking that way. Do you want any more plain than that? I know he may be a booger bear, but burn his toast again. (laughs) Give him some scorch water. Moving on. We were created for relationship. We were designed to have a relationship with God and with other people. He did not design us to be hermits or isolationists or mountain men. How we live out life is about relationship. It's why we need to tame road rage the best we can. The other reason is bullets hurt when they shoot you. And your wife will cry. Eh, maybe not. <laughs> you just never know. Hallelujah. Bless her holy name. <laughs> Our life is about building relationships. Would you shout amen? amen? Not tearing relationships down. So let's talk about the ships of the church. Let's talk about friendship, the first ship. Many people acquainted, uh, are acquainted with our church in Coleman, Alabama. It's called Cornerstone Revival Center, CRC for short, as friends. There's probably many people here in Hattiesburg that are very much acquainted with the Pentecostals of Hattiesburg. They know your building. They know where you're at. And some of them come on, on a fairly irregular basis. But they're regulars. Hey, irregulars, regular. Tried to convince my mom that disrespect was partly respect. I said, it's better than no respect. She said, I'll show you, boy. I can't tell you what she showed me, but it was effective. Proverbs says, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. We must be. Everybody shout, we must be. We must be friendly always. Not just when we're in church, not just when we're outside. Oh, man, I feel another married sermon coming on, but I'm not going to mess with that one. I'm not sure you got the first one. We must be working on friendships in the church. Would you say amen? 
Now, you might as well keep your amens warmed up and just say them without me prompting it because this is an amen message or teaching. We must be working on friendships in the church. Why would you come to church someplace and then not want them to be your friends? So what? They borrowed money from you, didn't pay it back. Now, they should have, but they didn't. You're the nutcase for loaning it to them. My wife's just crawling underneath the pew and slid it out the back door. Grab her by the ankle, Sister Carolyn, and tell her, you need to hear this one, sister. <laughs> hey, y'all mind if I pull up a chair and watch this one myself? <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody get your camera out. We want to YouTube this one. We need to do friendships in the church for fellowship purposes. But we also need to do friendships outside the church. Now understand, I'm not talking about doing anything that's preached or taught that, that, that as separation from the world. That's not what I'm talking about. But Jesus sat down with sinners. Jesus went to sinners' houses. You're not going to find a lot of sinners at church. Notice that? Another thing you need to understand, that Bible was not written for sinners to read. Preaching is not for sinners. My Bible tells me by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Believers don't believe this trash. It's garbage. It's nonsense. It's a waste of time. How do you know that, preacher? Do you see many of them in the house? We got a few here, but there's not a lot here. So we've got to develop friendship outside so that we might win them to the Lord. Listen to the statement. You've heard it before. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And how will they ever know that you care if you don't develop a relationship with them? A bridge that they can follow you. Never forget the story. This has been 30 years or more ago. This real apostolic Christian people, friendly people, they lived next door to this couple, and for 23 years, this neighbor watched them come out of the house all gussied up for church, only he wasn't really sure what they were doing, but Watched them every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, midweek. And then some weeks they go to church four or five times a week because revival was going on. One time the neighbor, the neighbor, the neighbor asked the man, hey, you guys look so sharp. And it's like three or four times or more a week that you do. Where do you guys go? He said, well, we, we, we go to church. He said, can you tell me where? He said, yeah. And that neighbor is now living for God. Repented, baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's cool. Everybody say, that's cool. We got enough gossips in the church. You're not going to win friends by gossiping. Well, I don't, 
I don't gossip, preacher. I tell the truth. Backbiters, tail bearers are not friends, and that's not friendly. You're not going to win anybody with gossip. You're not going to win a brother or sister to your side with gossip. Because anybody with any sense know if you'll gossip about me, you'll gossip about him and them and theirs. I'm going to close my eyes so you can't see me. They gossip about the last three or four pastors, and they'll gossip about this one. Enjoy your ride to hell. Folks, gossips aren't going to heaven. I said gossips aren't going to heaven. I don't know what Bible you read, but the one I read tells me that gossipers and backbiters and talebearers are going the same place as adulterers and fornicators and liars and homosexuals. They're all going to the same place. And your Yeti cooler ain't going to help you. These people are bad medicine. Can you shout amen? They're sinking vessels of dishonor. We mustn't be dispensers of bad vibes in the church. When you come to church for church service, man, put your praise on. I don't care what she called you just as you got out of the car. Come in here and show her how to praise God in in spite of a bad vibration. Tell her, baby, I'm going to give you some good vibrations while I praise God. Watch out. You won't remember a thing I preached tonight, but hopefully you'll have a good time laughing about it. Anybody here love Jesus? You really love Jesus? You, you folks love the people over on this side? Well, how come you always sitting over here then? <laughs> I'm kidding you. <laughs> what y'all laughing at? <laughs> Praise God. Don't you get tired of criticism and negativism in the church where it's supposed to be filled with friends? And there is a friend that sticketh close to a brother. I wonder how close he is tonight to our church service. You're not going to feel Jesus if you're criticizing me or criticizing her. She might deserve it, but I don't. For crying out loud. Some people are so negative, the devil don't even want to come around them. He's even praying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Sorry, hon. Sorry. Sorry. Forgive me. Okay, I'll ride in the back of the car on the way home. Opinions. Anybody here got opinions? God, look at the liars. You mean you don't have an opinion? <laughs> You're not kidding me. You are not kidding me. No, 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 no. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got at least two of them. And both of them stink. I heard several cell phones go off right now. Brother Howard's listening and he said, somebody sit him down, sit him down. Hey, it's mine now, Doc. We won't see you till Monday. (laughs) And I'm going to be gone in the twinkling of an eye. 
Squabblers. Do y'all enjoy squabblers? Squabbling. Fussing. Cussing. Oh, you wouldn't cuss. You're holy. You only gossip. Proverbs says a brother offended is harder to be won. I had the word won over than a strong city. Why would you want to offend a brother? Hand him a man if he's got bad breath. And he says, is my breath bad? Just lie to him a little bit. Say, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but here, have a mint. <laughs> I think I'll have one right now. It's got to rain. Friends never try to friend. Friends do not do friends wrong. Our world is so friendless, they deserve to see a friendly church filled with friendly people at all times. Understand, friendship costs. Friendship costs a standalone mentality and a standalone spirit. You will not make it by yourself. True friendship requires the ultimate humility. Friendship counts on each of us denying ourselves. This is very critical right here, what I'm fixing to say. And I've heard nothing but great things. I guess this is my fifth service over the last three years being here. But your pastor, Brother Andrew Howard and his wife, Need you as his friend, not as an adversary. Why would you want to be adversarial towards the one that's going to answer to God for your soul one day? Well, I'll just change churches. You can do the same thing to the pastor over there. Over yonder. <laughs> he wouldn't do it to me because I'm not pastor anymore. <laughs> I just would ask you to kindly just, you know, be the respectful. I never told anybody to leave. I did one person, one young man. That's been 25 years ago. He destroyed four precious young men in our church before I could take him out. One of them died literally because of this young man. They made a pact to never send her my minister again. And not one of them has prayed back through the Holy Ghost since 2001. One of them literally died, physically died the automobile on, top, automobile on top of him in a drunken stupor, crushed him. Folks, that doesn't make me happy. It makes me sick to my stomach that maybe I could have done something. I don't know what I could have done. Let's pray right now for our pastor. Would you lift your hands? Call his name. Call his name before Jesus. Come on. Come on. This man loves your soul. I'm not on a bandwagon. I'm preaching about the ships of the church. We're trying to get to heaven, not to CVS drugstore. We're not trying to get to half shell. 
We need a pastor. You'll not be saved without a man of God in your life. You'll not be saved without a prophet, without a pastor in your life. He needs your partnering with him to get the Lord's work accomplished. Backstabbing will not advance the church. We will not make it to the other side alone. We need friends. I need you. And I know you don't know me well, but I'm telling you, I am a needy person when it comes to the church. I need the church. I need men of God. I need men of God like you men sitting here tonight. You guys know how to pray. You men know how to worship. You know how to, how to get involved in the church service. I need ladies of God that know how to intercede and know how to travail. There is no human being that can travail like a lady can travail. Men can travail, but not like a woman can travail. It's not in our DNA as men. We have to work at it. And I feel a revival spirit in this room. We need all the ships of the church sailing together. I can hear the captain. All aboard! The ship is sailing to the other side. Everybody shout membership. If you want to write down there, Matthew 22, verses 9 through 11. I'm not going to read it. I'll just maybe touch a couple of verses here in a minute, and I may not, but it's worth reading. It talks about a man coming into a wedding without the wedding garment on. Membership. Everybody say membership. Membership is those people who may come on an irregular basis, but yet they come. It's faithful as either they can or they will. Now, if you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and you call this your home church, and you are, pardon my secular expression, and you consider yourself a voting member, you need to be here every time the doors are open. You probably shouldn't be helping to open the doors and warm it up with some prayer. Can you shout amen? They, they may even call this church their church. There's some folks in the church that I'm from. Uh, I can think of one in particular right now. Uh, he's the sheriff of our county. We're, we're not a big political church. If, if y'all are, that's great. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. But he's a friend of Cornerstone Revival Center. He makes sure that there's deputy sheriffs drive through our parking lot. He's been doing it for 10 or 15 years. They're always coming through our parking lot at night. And they made a comment one time. We have off the back of the prayer room where on this side is the ladies' prayer room and this side is the men's prayer room and, and the building is, is on an alarm system and these doors here are on an alarm system so they can't come through or else they'll set off an alarm. But just about everybody in church has a key to the prayer room doors, men and women. They have a bathroom back there. They have eating air back there. They have a, a drinking fountain back there. And, and the, the sheriff and the deputy said, man, we were up here the other night at 2.30 in the morning and there was two or three cars, people what were they doing up there? I said, well, they're in there praying. And it's segregated, so a lady can be praying over there, doesn't even know a man's praying over here. Man can be praying over here, and I, you know, I believe in prayer. I believe prayer works. I know prayer works. I know I've got to pray. I know you've got to pray. So let's get praying. But, but he loves our church. I know I have a son that's one of the deputy sheriffs in town, sheriff's deputy. Um, they're, 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 they're not yet members of the body of Christ. 
You know, it used to be, and some of y'all will remember this, when someone came to church three consecutive Sundays, they were no longer considered a visitor, but they were considered a member. How many of y'all, y'all remember any of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. We're not talking about roster members for voting purposes, just members. We don't want to ruin that for them. Why? They're not hurting anything. If you run them off, you're hurting yourself. They might was watching you so that they could sign you up for the inheritance when they died. Hey, crazy things have happened in life, folks. Crazy things. We definitely want these people to progress farther. We want them to get the wedding garment on. This is what Matthew 22, 9 through 11 talks about. And he said, And then, friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. We want, we want to get more people in our church. Can you shout amen? amen? So we can win them to Christ by conversion and by discipleship. This church, everybody say, our church. It must be a door for people to get into God's church. There's no place to sit down. There's no place to rest until we're home on the other side. Wrinkles come from sitting down when you got the wedding garment on. It could get wrinkled. It could get stained. It could get blemished. Everybody say discipleship. John chapter 1 and verse number 12, discipleship. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, it doesn't mean they become the sons of God. They just receive power to become the sons of God. God doesn't make us his son. He gives us the power. Romans 8, 14 says, they that are led by the Spirit. Are you led by the Spirit? They are the sons of God. Just being born again doesn't make you a son of God. Jesus said in John 3 and 3, as many, no, he said, except you're born again, you cannot see. In other words, comprehend. You don't have revelation of the kingdom of God. I know of hundreds of people that have been born again. They still don't understand the kingdom of God because they don't want to. They just want to go to heaven. Probably not going. And then in verse 5, he says, Except you're born of water and the spirit. Notice he doesn't say the water. I Meaning it doesn't have to be a specific body of water. But he does say the spirit, meaning only one spirit. He said, except you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter. He didn't say you would enter. He just said you can't enter until you are born again of water and the spirit. We have made Acts 2.38 the end of the road. It's not. It's just the door into this building. It's just the door into this sanctuary. It's just the door into this auditorium. It is the door that gets you on your journey to heaven, but you better get in the ship, and you better keep sailing with friendship. You better keep sailing with membership, and you better get involved in discipleship of Jesus Christ. A disciple is one who believes. Everybody shout, believes. Accepts. Shout, accepts. And follows, everybody say follows, follows a teacher and or doctrines or teachings. Disciples obey Acts 2.38. You're not a disciple if you haven't obeyed Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the plan of salvation in one scripture form. 
This discipleship contains those who hunger and thirst for God and his righteousness. Have you ever seen people get the baptism of the Holy Ghost? They sought it for maybe two or three weeks or two or three months or two or three years or two or three decades. It is not the will of God for people to seek the Holy Ghost. There was only one time people tarried for the Holy Ghost, and that was in Acts chapter 1 and 2. It's not the will of God for people to tarry for the Holy Ghost. Thank God they do. At least they're not out honky-tonking and bar-hopping and woman chasing or man chasing. I'm talking about the women chasing men. Probably <laughs> got some men chasing them. Kind of reminds you of monkeypox, doesn't it? Grab her, Sister Carolyn. She's got leaving on her mind. Discipleship contains those who hunger and thirst for God and his righteousness. They're ever learning Jesus, and they're ever perfecting holiness. They haven't got it made yet. Everybody say leadership. Leadership comes out of discipleship ranks. And it will rise and raise those established in the faith. They're designed to a higher involvement. Sorry, you can't X yourself out of being a part of the leadership. The only way to get out of it is you're going to go the other way. You can't tell to God, God, I'm not going to be a part of leadership. No way. Jesus might just say, well, I'm not going to be a part of your life then. No way. Because follow me, he said, and I will make you a fisher of men. Fishers, not just people to catch fish, but fishers, they leave fish to get on the hook. And get in the net and get in the boat. One of the greatest definitions I ever heard of a fisherman is a jerk on one end waiting for a jerk on the other end. Hallelujah. I believe in fork fishing. Fork it on my plate and fork it into my mouth. Guarantee a catch that day. I do like catching fish. They're designed for higher involvement. These are not better people. Everybody say they're not better people. Because they are still perfecting holiness. They're still disciples. They're still members. They're still friends. They're still working on friendship. They're still working on membership. They haven't left those ways. They're still working on discipleship. But these are people devoted and dedicated to the extreme. They're not positional leaders. Leaders don't need a position. I'm going to say that again. Leaders do not need a position from which to lead. Let me talk to you about extremist leaders. Extremist leaders are loyalists. Yeah, they're faithful, but they've gone beyond faithful. They're loyal. They're aligned. They don't let times or seasons change them or even affect them. Even though 
It changes other things and other people. Extreme means outermost or farthermost. They say, Pastor, God, church, how far into the supernatural do we travel? I said the, I guess it was yesterday morning or when it was, I said, we need to quit worrying about trying to miss hell and quit worrying about trying to get to heaven. Let me guarantee you heaven. How many want to be, have heaven guaranteed? I'm going to give you a biblical guarantee to make heaven and a biblical guarantee to miss hell. The Bible says, and Enoch walked with God and was not. Because before God took him, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He was an extremist. Where are you going, Enoch? Man, I don't know. But I've caught a glimpse of the other side. Where'd you get that at? Well, I was out walking the hills the other night, and God and I got to talking to each other. Oh, Enoch, you're a nutcase. I know. I'm nuts about Jesus. What are you nuts about? Paul said, I'm a fool for Christ. Question, whose fool are you? I want to hear voices in the night. I want to hear voices in the day. I've been hearing voices while I've been up here preaching and screaming my lungs out. There's voices in this room, Brother Allen. I said there's voices in this room. If you can learn to pray and then learn to have a hearing ear and learn to be patient and sit down with no one else around and just listen, God will talk to you. I wish God would talk to me. He does talk to you. You just don't hear him. You just don't listen. God never shuts up. I said, God never stops talking. We stop listening. If God ever stops talking, we're all done. You have to develop a hearing ear. What's the criteria? Criteria number one is you have to long to hear him. Well, I won't know what it sounds like. Then you're calling Jesus a liar. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Y'all know who he is. I told you a little bit about it Sunday morning. Let me tell you how Jesus is. Jesus said, my sheep know. They know. Well, I've never heard him before. It's because you're not listening. You might be listening to too much gospel music. Seven times in two chapters of Revelation. It's the only place in the Bible that says this. Two other places says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. But seven times Revelation says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. You get to hear in the Spirit, you'll shut your backbiting and stabbing, and you'll put your, you'll put your gossip tongue, you'll roll it up, and you'll mail it in to Gossipers Anonymous, and you'll get rid of that. Putrid piece of stinking flesh. You know what morticians tell us? I can't tell you all that they tell us, but that one of the first things in the body that begins to rot is your tongue. (laughs) 
You don't want to know. <coughs> Extreme means being in or attaining the greatest or highest degree. It means very intense. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, the violent take it by force. The word violent there means intensity, never letting go. Jacob said, I will not let you go till you bless me. Jacob, it's going to cost you. You'll never walk the same again. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be in the leadership. Exceeding far beyond the norm. Our churches in Pentecost are way too normal. They smell way too saved, way too holy, way too clean. We need to have the smell of stale cigarettes in here and stale liquor in here and stale marijuana in here. And I'm not talking about you smelling like that. I'm talking about being packed out with sinners and new converts and backsliders that just prayed back through. I'm afraid some of us aren't going to make it because we don't want that smell in our church. Oh, they got the wrong pedigree. Dear God, I'm done then. Some people have roots. Us Wilbanks don't have roots. We barely got weeds. But thank God for the weed patch. Someone told me what kind of weed I was one time. They said, Wilbanks, you're just a blooming idiot. I said, what are you, skunk weed? Hallelujah. 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 Folks, I didn't just wake up this morning. <laughs> All right. All right. What time y'all get up in the morning? Extreme means the utmost degree. Exceeding a normal or reasonable limit. Excessive, exorbitant. Exceeding all bounds. Y'all didn't know extreme meant all this, did you? Well, it didn't. I just made this stuff up. Transcendent. That's speaking of eternal. We got a lady in our church. I'll tell you this. When the ladies are praying down at Cornerstone, I don't go down there. I live about 400 feet away. Too scared to go down there. wife of 43 years, she was the prayer pastor. She had a prayer shawl. And good God Almighty, she prayed as many men through as I did. I mean, talking about in the altar. So she would, they called her claw. Man, she would, and she learned that from her spiritual mother, Sister Mary Wilson. Man, when they, man, they'd play you, they'd pray you down on the carpet. And I knew I wasn't going to let them do that to me. <laughs> it'd take them too long and it would kill them. And we wouldn't have time to pray anybody else through. And then it was a lady who was a prayer warrior. You got a prayer, get the picture. You got a prayer pastor. She was an extremist. Then you got this lady who's our church secretary. She's only about four foot ten, and her hair is longer than she is tall. And she is a holy, ghost filled fire. And when she gets praying, and she started up the other night, and 
congregational prayer time on Monday night. And there was a lady there that I authorized 10 years ago. And she's prayed for several different ladies that could not conceive and have a baby. And they had a baby. There's a well-known preacher just a little west of here. They've had two, and they tried for years, and it never would happen until the lady that we call the opening to the eternal. When she gets going, people leave the building. No, she's not loud. Is she loud? She's not loud at all. But you know, she's touched something beyond the here and the now. She's an extremist leader. Yeah, she's the head of our Christian school, but she's got something that's way beyond a school marm or a school teacher. Mm, oh, let's pray right now for some extreme leadership. Would you? Come on, come on, come on, come on. You need to get this tonight. There is no limit to how extreme God can take a church or take an individual member if that person and that church wants to go. God transcends all limits. He doesn't just say it in the scripture that he does, but he really does. He said all things are possible to them that believe. Hear me, hear me. Hattiesburg, can we take our church into the extremes of God and into the extremes of his spirit? Read Psalms 107, verses 23 through 24. Do we even want to go that far? That we can't get back to where we're at right now. Well, preacher, what's wrong with us right now? Because there's about 50, 60,000 people in Hattiesburg going to hell they're going to hell and you want your church to stay like it is really really 14 or 15 thousand students coming to Southern Miss University here in just a week or so some of them are probably already here the gossips are going to preach to the whole world some of us will never be able to go where these kids live or the country or the continent did you know that at certain times of the year, there's 5,000 people living in the Antarctica? There's nearly 3,000 that live at the North Pole. 3,001 count Santa Claus. Folks, have you ever prayed for Iceland? Have you ever prayed for Greenland? Oh, I ain't preaching. I don't live there. Oh, you're rich. What are we going to do when we stand before God? He says, sir, what's that blood on your hands from? Well, God, I didn't care about Hattiesburg very much, and I, that's, that's why I slipped off and went to another city. Hey, who's going to give account for all these people? At least this isn't a soul-winning message. This is a ship message. Am I making any sense? This present generation is one of extremes. 
but in wrong ways. Called Generation X, extreme lifestyles, extreme fashions, extreme dress, extreme cultic operations, extreme tattoos, extreme piercings. You know, they do those piercings. They poke holes in the body so that demons can't get in. Sorry, sorry, I'm not picking on anybody. If you've got some, God bless you. God loves you, and God wants to save you. He wants to bring you out of that. But they pierce your body all over. I've looked at some very beautiful women and some very handsome men, and they got themselves covered in comic book pages. You're a sitting duck for demonic possession. Oh, yeah, it's in the Word of God. I know I'm a Bible thumper. I care for your soul. What this generation needs to see is extreme leadership and experience a body of believers who become extremists for the kingdom of God. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. This ship ties all the other ships together. No matter what stage a person may be in, fellowship is what knits us all together, whether it's friendship, membership, discipleship, or leadership. Fellowship holds. It's a glue. And they continue steadfasting apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. Fellowship means together. Everybody shout together. together. No loose cannons marching to their own beat in their own direction. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, they want to go their own way. They want to start their own church. They want to do their own thing. They want to, they want to, they want to, they want to, they want to and then there's people crazier than they are. They start following. This one preacher said in our pulpit one time, many years ago, he said, you know, the devil's so dumb, he backslid before there's a devil. The only thing I can think of that's dumber than that is for a saint of God to backslide. To backslide because of a dumb devil that backslid before there's a devil. Now, that's double dumb. Assembling ourselves means, together means the complete collection. When the doors are open, come to church. Your pastor needs you. Your wife needs you here. Your husband needs you here. Your kids need you here. Well, my kids don't come to church here. They need you here then even more. They can't see mom and dad waffling now in their senior years. And now that your son's away, been back for 20, 30, 40 years, and his kids are raised like hellions, and they, he doesn't need to see you changing now. He needs to see you on fire now that you've got white hair and wrinkles than he's ever seen or she's ever seen you. It means gathering to the same place at the same time. Amos 3 and 2, can two walk together except they be agreed? Everybody say fellowship. It holds all the ship, ship, the ships together in the same fleet. And it's all about relationship. I'm closing. What this generation needs to see and experience is a body of church believers who have become extremists for the kingdom of God. I'm not picking on you. I'm really not. I love you. I thought I was offending anybody I'd shut up and take you out to eat and let you pay for it can't beat a friend like that I'm not going to fight you over the bill you just go ahead and pay for it hey you're going to get a blessing I mean I'm a man of God Extreme friendships is what they need to see.
They say if you die having five intimate friends, intimate means you can trust them, they're trustworthy, and you can tell they're righty or something, and their left ear never hears it. You know why their left ear never hears it? Because that thing right in the middle doesn't tell anybody else. That's a friend. And we have a friend, brother, that sticks closer than a brother. Extreme friendships. Everybody say extreme friendships. Everybody say extreme memberships. Extreme discipleship. Extreme leadership and extreme fellowship. Now understand, fellowship isn't eating bread. If you go ahead and read that second chapter of Acts, the end of it, it talks about breaking bread. That's going out to the movie theater, I mean the, the movie star for buffet. That's going out to eat. Now you may have fellowship, most of the time we don't. We talk about fishing or golf or hunting on a vacation, and that's okay. Everybody say, that's okay. You need to go on vacation, but don't go every weekend. Your best friend may come. Carolyn may come. She may bring a friend. Fellowship means, and I'm going to really, not cheapen it down, but I'm going to really bring it down to this. It's like sitting around like y'all do most services and you sit around and you talk about the things of God or you have a couple couples over to your home and you may have some chips and dip you may not have anything but you're just sitting there in our home and I know you would say well you're a preacher preachers ought to do that no we had not to we're human just like you are our breast stinks we have to wear fright guard it scares away our enemies and our friends but when anybody leaves our home whether it's my singing brother and his family or it's a preacher friend, before they walk out the door, we gather around by the front door. Everybody's in the house, kids and everybody, and we pray a blessing on each other and we pray hands to God and we plead the blood. Why don't you do that with your family? Next time your backslidden son or daughter comes home, before they leave the house, say, hey, hey, Bubba, can, hey, hey, Bubba Ed, can, 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 I, can I ask you to do something? And then before they, don't tell them what you're going to do, just get them close say, just hug you and just hold on for just a second. Say, dear Jesus, you know I love Bubba. You know I love Bubba Ed. God, I love them so dearly. I thank you for the great grandkids they've given us. Blah, 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 blah. But God, I'm asking you, I'm asking God to keep them. Keep them. I plead the blood over them. That's fellowship. Even some of what we're doing tonight, this is fellowship. Oh, I know I'm loose translation I'm preaching I'm teaching I love you it's been great tonight I don't know if there's anything for you but I've had Holy Ghost therapy tonight I feel like a million bucks well spent but I feel like a million bucks would you stand with me Paul said we're laborers together you can't do your own thing and be saved and it won't be successful either. 
The purpose of the church is to wrestle against and to defeat darkness, the works of the devil and of the flesh. It's to lead people out of sin and false doctrine and to disciple them to the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Folks, this is not our home. We're in the enemy's territory. Our Lord has conquered this world, and he left us here as occupiers. We're the alien force. And too many Christians have got all the trinkets of the country that Jesus conquered. I'm not going to go to naming them. That's your pastor's job. That's what he gets paid the big bucks for. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. We want that. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous in Hattiesburg, but the laborers are few. Pray ye. Everybody shout, pray ye. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. It's not our harvest. It's not our salvation. It's not my calling. It's not my ministry. It's his ministry. When I was a pastor, I never called it my church. I didn't call it my pulpit. I didn't call it, very rarely do I call it my Bible. It's his Bible. It's his gospel. This salvation I have, it cost him as the son of God. Wasn't free. It's not my salvation, it's his salvation. He just let me use it. What am I doing with it? I want to be a friend. I want to be a member. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a leader. I want to be a fellow shipper. Pray therefore the Lord of Harvest that he would send members in the harvest. I, I want us to do something. This is the altar, right where you're at. I don't know I've preached too long. It's not the first time. I want us to pray about friendships. I'm, I'm just going to put them all in one, and we're going to pray about it all together. Ask God to make you the best friend this church has ever known. Yeah, but what about my brother? Well, don't worry. He's going to be praying the same thing. Just out-pray each other. Out-fast each other. Out-give each other. I'll think about things that God wants to do, not for competition, but to provoke one another, as the Bible says, to good works. Instead, we're provoking the gossip and provoking the adversarial. Well, I think or I feel, who cares? He's the only one that thinks. Oh, we're supposed to be a bunch of zombies? No, we're supposed to be a bunch of friends, a bunch of members, a bunch of disciples, a bunch of leaders. Let's pray tonight. God, make me a part of the friendship. Lord, make me a part of the membership. Make me a part of the discipleship, a part of the leadership. As he's softly playing, as he's playing like he's doing right now, would you write where you at? If you're able, if, if you get tired and you want to sit down, that's fine. But would you lift both your hands? And would you open your lips and your teeth and your gums? And would you let both your lungs expand if you got to? Come on, God. God, I want to be the best friend this church has ever known. God, and I want my brother, and I want my wife, and I want my sons, and I want my daughters. 
I want my sisters in this church. I want my pastor and his wife. I want every evangelist that comes through here, God. I want them to be the greatest friend, the greatest friend. I want us to all be members of the body of Christ. I want us all to be members of the Lord's body. I want us all to be members of the church triumphant. I want us all to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Come on, come on, align yourself with that. If I've stepped on your toes, uh, if I've ruffled your feathers, if I've made you uncomfortable, come on, be a leader. It wasn't intentional. Be careful, it might not have been accidental. It might have been the Lord rattling your cage. It might have been the Lord banging on your door. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Why should Jesus be knocking at the door of his own church trying to get in? God, this is a great assembly of people. God has been pastored by some great men of God. There's been some great saints of God passed through here and they've gone to the other side. Lord, I want to make it to the other side. Help me to build friendships in the church and out of the church. Oh. God, I pray for the Pentecostals of Hattiesburg. God, this is a fine church. This is a good church. It's a great church. It's got a great history. But God, its best days are not behind it. Its greatest revival has not already happened, God. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim it and I declare it. In the name of Jesus, there's a harvest. I've felt it this whole week that I've been here. There's a great harvest waiting to be gathered. Holy Ghost, 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 Holy Ghost. Ikarana malama na boshetelele mokunda lala mahaya. Come on, let yourself pray in other tongues. Don't just talk in tongues, but let yourself pray. Pray in the Spirit. Paul said, I'll pray with my understanding and I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll sing with my understanding and I'll sing with the Spirit. It's okay to sing in other tongues. It's okay to praise in other tongues. It's okay to pray in other tongues. Their sound went out into all the earth. Who knows what heaven is doing in light of what we're praying right now. The message is going out. The prayer is going out. It's not dying at the ceiling or at the walls or at the floor. It's going out into the streets and the highways and the byways. Holy God, holy God, holy God, holy God, holy God, holy God, holy God. He la la manamoshi karala la ba ya na malala ya da